Father, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that there would be an anointing, Lord, upon, upon the scriptures and upon our lives. Lord, that as we, uh, as we examine your word, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. And that, Lord, you would bring direction and clarity. And we pray, Father, for encouragement and strength. And so as we come to the Word of God, Lord, we ask your anointing upon it, that you would take the words that, that I have, that you would break it, and that you would feed us, your sheep, Lord. For your, your Word is food indeed. Lord, your, your Word is drink indeed. And so, Father, I just pray that we would be nourished, and we would be fortified, and that we would be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that there would be a blessing upon everything that's said and done in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And everyone said? Uh, just before Easter, we were looking at. It's lovely to have Shirley back with us. Sorry, man. <laughs> Praise God. Shirley's been traveling the, the, the length and breadth of New Zealand, so uh, it's just really great to have you back, Shirley. Praise God. You threw me for a second when your hair tied up and you yeah. your glass up. Oh, who's <laughs> Praise God. Lovely to see you. So you know, if, you, if, you, if you're feeling down, give Shirley, ask Shirley to give you a hug. You'll feel oh, like I know. brilliant. I'm <laughs> best. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely. Out of order, we'll soon be put back. <laughs> 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 uh, so we, we, we left off uh, the week before Easter. We were looking at, at God's guidance, the way God speaks to us and ministers to us. And so I just want to I want to do a bit of a recap because we've had Easter in between. And uh, just look at it. We were looking at John chapter 10, and we looked at 3 and 4, how God speaks to his sheep and they serpent. We looked at verse 27 that says uh, that, that we hear God and that he knows us and that we follow him. So there was a very clear uh, indication from Scripture that God speaks to us. Isn't that wonderful to have a relationship? It's so much better than having a religion. <laughs> yes. Amen. Thank you for that thunderous yes. amen. I really appreciate it. Thunderous. <laughs> Absolutely. Praise God. If, you know, keep your hands down if you agree with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we, 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 we were looking at the fact that God does speak to us and He, he really ministers us. And, and hearing that word of the Lord is priceless. It's not to be compared to anything else. We looked at the um, uh, Proverbs 4.20, you know, attend unto my words. We looked at that Hebrew word, kashab. And kashab literally means to pick up the ears. And if you've ever had an animal, uh, you know, you, you, you'll see that you call your dog and straight away the, the, the ears go up. And, you know, uh, it, that's really what kashab means. It means to prick the ears, to pay attention, to focus, uh, to concentrate. And so what God is saying is that we are to focus and pay attention to His Word. You know, I, I'm convinced. Uh, I was listening to some ministry uh, during the week, and uh, uh, this guy was talking about the Word of the Lord. And he was saying, I'm convinced that the body of Christ, and I must agree with him, doesn't pay attention to the Word of God like we ought to. It's the Word of the Lord, and it stands eternal, forever settled in heaven. And so we need to be those that are embracing the Word of God and taking... Sorry, that, that's for free. That wasn't part of the recap. But, <laughs> so it means to... This word kashab means to prick up their ears, pay attention, and focus into what God wants to... I believe God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And that we have a relationship. If you ask many Christians that they haven't heard God speak to them in a long time. But God is speaking. As we're going to look through today, God is wanting to speak to you every day. And uh, we, we looked at the fact that God uh, wanted to, uh, that this was for believers. Because some people think if you hear from God, you're a little bit weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are peculiar people. But uh, God has said that, um, that we are to move into uh, uh, hearing His voice and being guided and led by Him. So... Uh, very important that we do this. And then we kind of ended off um, last time, but, but the last two points was that God speaks to us through His Word mm -hmm. and that He gives us ethics and principle. That's, that's not a word you hear a lot about these days in, in modern society, is it? Ethics and principles by which we live by. God's Word gives them to us in abundance. And if, we, if we're familiar with God's Word, we'll know how to behave in every circumstance and every situation because God has not left us guessing what we should be doing. So He gives us uh, uh, plans to order our behavior and our ethics. 
And what we saw how the Holy Spirit can take what was written thousands of years ago and make it relevant to what's happening in our life today. We looked at a number of examples from my personal life about how God applied words that were written thousands of years ago and applied it to the very circumstances that I found. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why the Bible is no ordinary book. It's a living word. And it actually speaks to each and every one of us. And so God can, can anoint it with the Holy Spirit and suddenly it leaps off the page and you think, wow, God has just spoken to me. How amazing. And then lastly, we, we looked at, at Colossians uh, 3.15 and uh, we read, the, and I'm reading this from the Amplified. It says, and let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ's rule act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. And that's where we're going to pick it up this morning because we never finished uh, that particular thought. Sorry, can I ask where was it? That? Uh, that was Colossians 3.15. Okay, Colossians 3.15. And I read that from the Amplified. Okay. So we see how, how, how God's peace acts as an umpire. What does the umpire do? He rules what's in and what's out. You know, did, did you score a try or didn't you score a try? The umpire or the referee will decide whether you, you cross the line and it counts. And so God is saying that the peace of God ought to be that umpire. So that in every circumstance we find ourselves in, God gives us his peace. And if we're listening, we, we will know which way to go. You see, because it, this, this whole thing about guidance can be quite a tricky issue. You know, uh, sometimes God can give you a word, or you, or you think you've heard a word from the Lord, and it lines up perfectly with Scripture. How many think that that's time to go? Eh? Yeah? It's time to, no, it's not time to go. Because even though the word may line up with Scripture, it may not be God's timing for you to act upon that word. It may not even be a word for you, even though it lines up with Scripture. Hey, God told me to marry that unsaved woman. So, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because Second Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not unequally yoked together. You know, and so it's, it's, it may line up with the word, but it might not be for you. It might not be the right time. It might be uh, a different, different issues. It may not even be a word for you at all. So, um, the Holy Spirit and the Word work together so that we know what is from God, what is from man, and what's from the enemy. And so, it becomes really, really important that we understand this. Because both the, 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 the presence of God's peace and the absence of God's peace, both are telling you something. You know, that information is being, if you have the peace of God, you know it's safe to proceed. If you don't have the peace of God, that's the time you need to be doubly wary. Amen? It's very important. Because the problem is that both Satan and our flesh speak to us. So how do we know when it's God? You know, Satan can even quote scripture. Do you remember when he quoted scripture to Jesus? So it becomes quite difficult to understand what, when it's God or when it's my flesh or when it's, uh, or when it's uh, you know, the, the spirit. So how do we know the peace of God? Why is that important? Because the peace of God is absolutely amazing. And the reason it is, is that neither Satan nor your flesh can implement or, or, or manifest the peace of God. And that's why, because the peace of God is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And so when we know that, we, that, that the Holy Spirit gives us peace, we can know that, hey, this is absolutely correct. We can go ahead with it. You know? Peace is God's umpire. So that voice of Scripture that you've heard, you know, it, it might be the devil quoting Scripture to you. But if you don't, and if that's the case, you will not have the peace of God. But if it is God speaking to you, you will have God's unprecedented peace. There's nothing to be compared with the peace of God. Can you say Amen. amen. So, you know, both the absence of peace and the presence of peace uh, are speaking to us. You know, the absence of peace will expose the lie, the deception, or the wrong path. Conversely, the presence of God's peace will confirm His will. Because the Holy Spirit and the Word will never be in conflict, ever. Amen? Amen. 
The Holy Spirit and the Word work together so that we know. And if we have the peace of God that passes all understanding, we know that we are walking in the pathways of the Lord. Therefore, don't act on anything unless you have the peace of God. No matter how good that business deal looks, you know, if you don't have peace, watch out. The Holy Spirit is trying to show you something. It might not be that that, that, that deal is bad, but the Holy Spirit is saying, be careful. Be careful if you don't have peace. It, and, and it may look really good on, on the surface, but God knows the beginning from the end. Can you say amen? amen. So if we don't have that peace, we need to be careful. We need to be very careful. Just because people say that, now this is really important, just because people say that they're Christians and come to church doesn't mean that you should automatically trust them. You know, trust has to be earned. I have learned that the hard way, okay? And I, I, I just want to encourage you, just because somebody comes to church, they, they're on a, a walk and they're growing to maturity, but it doesn't mean they've arrived because they come to church. And so it's important that, that trust is earned. Ladies, it doesn't matter how foxy that guy looks. Amen? If you don't have the peace of God, don't marry him. Thank you for that thunderous amen. Hallelujah. I know this is a revelation. We've seen many snowy and long. Yeah. So remember, remember that both the presence or the absence of peace are both telling you something. Don't move unless you have the peace of God. If you've got your Bibles, we look at something brand new this morning in Acts chapter, uh, Psalm 25 and verses uh, 9 and 10. And I want to read you something from that, from the Amplified again. Um, and uh, I, I trust that you'll be blessed by it. <clears throat> Psalm 25, verses 9 and 10 from the Amplified Bible. It says... He leads the humble in what is right. And the humble, He teaches His way. How many want to be blessed and led by the Lord? Amen? Amen. We need to walk in humility. Look what it says in, in verse 9 and 10. Uh, verse 10 says, All the paths. Can I ask you, how many paths? All of them. All the paths. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and steadfast love, truth and faithfulness. Are they for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies? You see, sometimes we struggle to hear God because we are filled with pride. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that, that can sneak up on all of us. We, get, we all are um, subject to the temptation of falling into pride. You know, none of us are immune. And so we need to be aware that sometimes God doesn't lead the pride. He leads, at the, he leads the humble. The arrogant, no, God doesn't lead them, but the humble, He leads. Okay. Uh, because the truth is, sometimes we can get so full of ourselves, you know, and uh, that, that, that there's no room left for God in our life, you know. We start to think, you know, I've been saved a long time, I've, I've read many books, people should be listening to me because I'm, I'm wise, and, and, you know. Um, when, when we get to that kind of a place in our Christian walk, we are in trouble. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You see, some people think, don't tell me what you think. You know, I, I know, I know, you know. And when we get to that place, we're in trouble. Remember what Jesus said um, uh, in Matthew 23, 12. He says, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. It's a principle. When we start to think that we are the bee's knees, we are in trouble. You know, I used to work with Rhino Bonke in, in, in Africa. You know, he'd have 100,000 people come to his meetings. But both Fee and I were so incredibly impressed with this man's humility. It was absolutely astounding. He assumed no airs, no graces. And to this day, he is just like that. He's, although you know, he, he's led probably more men to uh, the Lord than any other man in history, um, uh, you know, he is humble. He keeps his eyes on the Lord. And it's absolutely amazing. Um, Jesus said, Whosoever shall exalt himself uh, shall be abased. It is a principle. It is a law. When we start to think we are somebody great, God is going to bring us down. And he that shall humble himself, this is the good news, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. When we say, Lord, I'm here to serve, and look right up on again. You know, he's touched the world for Jesus because he's a humble man. He's humble in heart. 
And Jesus said, the humble shall be exalted. Talking about pride, you know, man is the, the only creation that you can pat him on the back and watch his head swell. <laughs> you know, the scriptures actually have a word for that kind of person. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, whoever let him, uh, sorry, who, who therefore let him uh, think that he stands, take heed lest he fall. In other words, when you think you've got it together, you are never more vulnerable than that at that particular point. You know, uh, we, we all need to be teachable. We need to, that's one of the things that a, a humble person does, that they have a teachable spirit. If we're not teachable, we're not growing. And we're not going anywhere. In fact, if we're not teachable, we, we're in a place where God is going to humble us. And it becomes important that we, we learn to walk in humility. You know, pride is dangerous. One minute you can be the rooster strutting around the garden, and the next minute you can be the feather duster. Pride is very dangerous. I love David's humility. You know, if you want, you want an example from the scriptures of a man who's humble, David is the perfect example. David is, is the guy that led out the, the, the Israelite army over and over again. He, he attacked the Philistines. He attacked everybody and returned victorious and conquered, uh, an all-conquering hero. David was an amazing man of God. But you know, one thing, if, if you read the life of David and you study the life of David, one thing becomes really evident. David did not act unless he had heard a word from the Lord. Do you remember when he was about to go and attack the Philistines for the, the umpteenth time? He says, Lord, shall I go and attack them? And God says to him, no, I want you to circle around behind them and come up by the mulberry trees and attack them from behind. And God gave them the victory simply because he humbly asked, even though he'd beaten the Philistines on numerous occasions, he could have said, well, I know what to do. I can, I can sort those guys. We can take them out anytime we like. No, he depended on the Lord. He waited on the Lord and God gave him the strategy to go back from behind. Listen to what Jesus actually says. He says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 4, he says this, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That is a statement. Man, whosoever shall humble himself as this little child shall be the greatest in heaven. Man, if you aspire to, to serve the Lord and do, do wonderful things, be like this little child. Be humble. Now you need to understand something of the Jewish culture um, and in, the, in the time of Christ. Jewish children were loved. They were really very deeply loved, but they had no status. And, and so what Jesus is saying is, you know, that if, if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we must lay aside our status, our position, our pride, our, our, everything about it. We lay aside and become humble like this little child. And if we do that, Jesus said, you shall be the greatest in the, in the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that's amazing. Let's cultivate, let's long for that, that humble spirit, that teachable spirit, that, that servant's heart. Let's really ask God to do that in bucket loads in us. So, remember uh, the psalm we've just read, Psalm 25, verses nine and, uh, verse 9. He leads the humble in that which is right. Look at what James says in James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he giveth grace. Oh, aren't you glad that God gives grace? He giveth grace. You know, when you look at the word grace in the Greek, it's the word charis. And uh, it, it actually has multiple meanings. Uh, the word charis is translated as grace in some places, and in other places it's translated as favor. And so it's, it's interchangeable. Our, we, our English word says grace or favor, but, it, but in the Hebrew, it's one word. So God gives grace and favor uh, to, to those who, who walk uprightly. Um, and, and it's really important that we see that. So James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. If you want more of God's favor, if you want more of God's grace, this is what you have to do. But he giveth more grace, um, Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace 
and favor to the humble. The more you, you humble yourself, the more you become the servant of the Lord, the more grace, the more favor that God uh, pours out upon. I can't live without the favor of God in my life. How about you? It's imperative that we have the favor of God. And so God says, this is the one thing I want you to do. Humble yourself. Make yourself small in your own sight. Don't, don't get caught up with who you are and what you've done. And Humble yourself. And God will give grace and favor unto you. I want that. I want that with all my heart. I want God to be pleased with my life. And so that's one of the things that we need to take account. I want to just draw your attention as we're looking at how God speaks to us. and uh, The fact that he knows. In 1 Kings chapter 19, God uh, appears to Elijah. You remember how God uh, had used Elijah to call fire down from heaven and destroy the prophets of Baal. And Jezebel got really annoyed that her prophets, her apostate church, had been destroyed by the power of God. Uh, it's really a, a prophetic picture of what's going to happen in the end times, how the apostate church will perish uh, because they refuse to repent and uh, refuse to obey the Lord. But in, in this particular instance, uh, Jezebel rises up and said, I'm going I'm to kill that prophet. And, I, you know, she is the, the, the second most powerful person in the nation, the king being the, the most powerful. And so she says, I'm going to hunt you down and I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to kill you. And, and poor old uh, Elijah thinks, man, I've got to get out of here. And so he, he escapes. And to, just to jump to the story for the sake of time, he, he ends up at the cave at, at, at Horeb, and, uh, which is really the mountain of God. And God begins to, to deal with Elijah. And he, and he says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And so and God begins to manifest himself in, 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 in signs and wonders. And you remember how there was a great wind that came. And Elijah's in the cave. And the wind was tearing the rocks to pieces. And, and uh, it was really amazing. And then there, then there was an, an earthquake. Uh, and then there was a major fire. Uh, but in each of those instances, the Bible says, God was not in the wind. God was not in the earthquake. And he was not in the fire. But then God speaks in a still, small voice. You know, that's, that's the important thing that we, we need to understand. So, there's a wonderful lesson for you and I today. If we want to move in the miraculous ministry of God, if we want to move in the supernatural, like Elijah and like, a, like Jesus, we have to learn to wait on the Lord. We must draw aside like Elijah did. And we must learn to listen to the Lord. You know, how do we do that? We've got to escape the clamor and the noise of the world. Everything that competes with our... You know, you get in the, car, in the car, people turn on the radio because they can't stand to be, to be quiet, to be alone. Or they, they come home and the first thing they do is they put on the TV or the computer or they get out their blessed telephone. Bless the telephone. <laughs> but you know, if you really want to hear the Lord... You've got to put aside these distractions. You've got to make time to listen to God. You've got to make sure that God is a priority. You know, we spend a lot of time with electronic devices that we could be using better to serve the Lord. Get alone with God. Spend time in His presence. Listening for that still, small voice. You know... If we think that God is only going to move in, in the miraculous, we'll miss it. If we think God's only going to move in, in, the, in the wind and the fire and the earthquakes, we'll miss it. Because God speaks in still, small voice. And it's really important that we take heed of that. You know, it's about waiting patiently for the Lord. Being patient, being quiet, listening for the Lord. And then we will hear the still, small voice. I'm convinced one of the reasons that we don't hear God is we've become so busy doing other things that we haven't had the time to still ourselves, quiet our spirits, and just wait upon the Lord to hear Him speak to us. I want to tell you, nothing can be, can be substituted in our Christian life for waiting on the Lord. And listening for his voice. You know, no amount of book reading, no amount of, of uh, listening uh, to messages uh, or Googling God will substitute for waiting on the Lord personally and hearing God speak to you. 
in your individual circumstances. Those things are good. You know, reading books and listening to messages, those are all good. But we cannot allow those things to transplant our real relationship with God so that we can hear the Lord by, by quietening our spirits and waiting patiently on, on God to speak to us. We need to give God that time to speak to us. You know, if we think God's only going to speak to us um, in the signs and wonders, you know, hey, he's going he's to speak to me about writing his message in a hundred foot letters in the sky. No, God speaks in a still small voice. Many years ago, I, I was a, a, a visiting minister in this particular church, and I'd gone there to, to preach, and I'd spent the, the week fasting and praying to God, and um, saying, Lord, you know, please speak to me so that I can speak to them. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to get up here and just ramble something from your, from your own spirit. Amen? You, you've got to hear from the Lord. And so I, I was waiting on the Lord. I was fasting and praying. God simply said to me, I want you to minister on Acts 27. And you, you recall in Acts 27, Paul's on his way to Rome. And, uh, you know, it, he, gets, he gets caught in an incredible uh, storm. And uh, all hope is lost. And so that was really the message that God gave to me about how uh, God restores hopeless situations and how God used a Paul in an amazing way uh, even after the storm. <clears throat> what I didn't know was that in that particular service that day, there was a man who was planning to commit suicide immediately after church. He'd gone to, the, the week before, he'd gone and he bought a gun and he bought ammunition and he said, God, if you do not speak to me at church on, uh, today, on Sunday, I'm going to blow my brains out. I've had enough. I can't take any more. And unbeknown to me, I, I was there and I, I ministered about the, the God who turns hopeless situations around. And uh, this man was so touched, he began to, he began to cry uncontrollably. And uh, he, just, he, he just wept and wept and wept. And so uh, after the service, we went up to him and he said, he said man, I... He said, thank you. He said, I, I, I so needed that. He said, I, I, I bought this gun and I bought the ammunition. And if God didn't speak to me, at this, this was the last. This was the end. And if God didn't speak to me, I was going home and I was going to go and blow my brains out. I thought, wow. You know, wow. I was just overwhelmed. You know, there were no neon lights flashing. You're going to save a man from committing suicide. No, it was the still small voice that God said, speak Romans, I'm on Acts 27. The still, small voice. Very easy to miss if we're not waiting on the Lord and taking the time to hear. You know, there are many warnings as we talk about you know, uh, walking in the Spirit and hearing God. Uh, it, that's exciting and it's, it's, it's really wonderful and we should be pursuing that. But we also need to be aware that there are pitfalls. And so I want to share one of the pitfalls that, that uh, is, is very common and has caused incredible damage in the body of Christ. And so uh, if you're aware of it, I trust that you won't fall into it. And that warning is this. God told me to tell you. Watch out. God told me to tell you. You won't believe that the amount of damage that that little phrase has uh, um, had in the body of Christ. Over the years, I've just seen many, many people wounded and destroyed by that, by that little phrase. God told me to tell you. You know, God told me that you should go out with me. <laughs> you know, be careful, you know. That's not a dating technique, folks. That's manipulation, amen. <laughs> Uh, a lady once said to me, uh, she put something as a decoration on a cake, and it, it was kind of poisonous. I knew so wow. you know? And when I said to her uh, that, she said, God told me to put it on. <laughs> <laughs> what could I say against that? <laughs> Just don't eat the cake. <laughs> People come up and tell you, hey, I know what God wants you to do with your finances. Really? Why doesn't God tell me? You know? So we must be very careful um, you know, when, when uh, we, we, we try and play the, the Holy Spirit. We, we can get into all sorts of trouble. You know? um, God told me, be careful, unless God has told you. 
you know, when God does that, and it's really the Holy Spirit, it acts as a confirmation because God has really spoken to you. That's been my experience. Every time that somebody's come up to me and said, God, God has showed me something, I believe, and they've shared it, and it's something that God has already been speaking to me about my spirit. And then you think, wow, God has been confirmed by witness. And when two or three witnesses come along and say the same thing, you know that God is speaking to you. Amen. And so uh, the, the, the truth is that when we're looking to be led by the Holy Spirit, we, we should uh, never take a word um, uh, that, that God, as, as a direction, as a directive. Okay? We need to take the word as a confirmation. For example, somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, you better go to Africa and minister to the natives. God wants you to do that. Well, you better take that person with you so that you know when to come back home again. <laughs> really important. And so, you know, when we start to, to pray and try and do the Holy Spirit's job, we inevitably get into trouble. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit knows how to bring correction and direction into our life without causing offense. You know, when people try and play God, and they, and they, they say, oh, I, I've heard from God, and they come and they speak to me. I've seen so many people broken and hurt by that, by that kind of manipulation and control. That's not the, the way of the Holy Spirit. When they try and act as the, as the voice of God, they inevitably hurt people and cause them to stumble. And it's, you know, it's a miracle if they keep on going after that. So don't do it. Our job... Our job is to work on ourselves. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's how really, I'm going to convince this side. <laughs> Amen. You see, we, we, need, we need to see that the Holy Spirit deals with us and works on us. And if you read Romans chapter 14 and verse 4, you see a very interesting uh, passage of Scripture. It says, Who are you to judge another man's servant? Who are you to judge another man's servant? In other words, that person is not your servant to judge. Okay? It says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master. That's God. God is his master. To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. In other words, quit picking on that person and let the Holy Spirit do his job. You know, we all mature at different rates. One of the big problems, as the church gets bigger, you find that people come along and start telling people what to do. You know, they forget where they came from. They forget the grace that they've had and how long it took them to get from A to B. And they see somebody like, oh, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And they hurt and they wound those people. It's not our job to deal with other people. You know, our job is to deal with ourselves. I don't know about you, but I have enough problems just trying to keep this, uh, this body in line with the Word of God. Amen? So it becomes really important that we do that. Okay, so quit picking on them. Quit picking on people. Let God do the work. The truth is, we cannot do the Holy Spirit's job. We cannot. And it's presumptuous of us to try. So... This actually happened to a man of God, and uh, you know he was telling the story, and, and it was quite amazing. Okay, you know he had been invited to a speaker as a, at a big conference, and you know from personal experience, I know that whenever you're going to stand before God's people, whether they're two or whether they're twenty thousand, there's one prayer that I think every minister prays. God, if there's anything in my life that would prevent me from flowing in your anointing and your blessing, please reveal it to me, Lord, because I want to repent of it immediately. You know, I think every minister I've ever come across prays that prayer and says, Lord, please cleanse me so that I can stand before your people and be used of God. And so he'd gone to minister uh, in this big convention, and a lady came up after the service and she said, uh, God has shown me your secret sins. <laughs> Obviously, she hadn't read First Timothy uh, chapter five and verse one. But um, it says, you know, he he looked at her for a second and he said, "Well, my secret sins." And he said, "Well, I guess they're not a secret anymore." <laughs> he said, "In actual fact, he said, he said, lady, I don't believe you." And she got all offended because. 
she, you know, it's like, hey, God told me. And because she dropped the God bomb, as Corinne was saying, it's very difficult to refute. You know, God told me. Oh, who do you appeal to then? You, you can't argue with that. But, you know, it's, it wasn't wise because, you know, he said to her, look, uh, I, I, God didn't, uh, didn't say that. He says, how do you know? He said, well, for the, I've been ministering uh, all, all morning at the conference and just before I get up to stand, this is the third time I've been, been preaching. And every time I've got up, I've asked God to show me if there's anything in my life that he's displeased with me and, and God wants to re, 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 me to repent of, um, I'll do it. And he hasn't shown me anything because there is nothing unrepented and nothing that, that, that the enemy can use. You know, you never saw that lady again. <laughs> she, she was gone. But you know, sometimes you think, oh, because you use the, the, the God phrase, it's very difficult to, to counter that. You have no other appeal. So be very careful when you say that God told you to do that. You know, if God wants to deal with you about your secret sin, how many of you know God is not the cosmic gossip telling every Joe blogs about your, your failures and sins? God doesn't work like that. Amen? And I'm so grateful that he, yes. you know, he keeps my confidences. Because if you knew how evil I was, we, are we all a work in progress, are we not? Amen. So, so it becomes really important um, that when God wants to deal with us, he'll deal with us personally. Okay. So why are we speaking of warnings? And so be, be aware when somebody says, you know, God told me to tell you. Be aware. That's a warning. The second warning that I want to give you is, uh, when it comes to divine guidance. And you, you'll find it in James chapter 3 and verse 17. And if you've got your Bibles with you, really encourage you to open it and write in the margin next to James 3.17 uh, the divine guidance checklist. See, many people miss what, what God is saying and then they turn around and they, they, they blame God for, for the, these terrible things that happen, you know. But if they understood that God has given us a protection, He has given us a means to know that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that it really is the Holy Spirit. And it's James 3.17. Write in your Bible, the divine checklist. I, had, I did that 40 years ago, and it has saved my bacon over and over and over again. I want to tell you. Look what it says. James chapter 3 and verse 17 says, But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Amen? And so that, that becomes the divine guidance checklist. If you run everything past that, you will find that you can hear the voice of God very, very clearly. I was reading just this week about a man in Texas who went and killed his girlfriend and murdered his nine-month-old baby. And when the police arrested him, he said, God told me to do it. If you understand the d divine guidance checklist, you would never actually do it. Because the, listen, the wisdom that's from above, you know, where God speaks, um, is that it's first pure. Was this pure? Was this a good thing to do? Absolutely not. It wasn't. Uh, was it peaceable? No, it wasn't. He murdered her. Was it gentle? No. If he kills somebody, that's terrible. This is not God. You can go on. Was this full of mercy? No, it wasn't. Was this good fruit? No. Over and over again, the divine guidance checklist. No ways. And so we need to make sure that whenever we talk about spiritual guidance, a supernatural guidance, we talk about James 3.17 because that will keep the body of Christ secure and safe. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We've all heard those nerds who, you know, they're absolute nutters who say, God told me to do it. If they understood the divine guidance checklist, we would not go amiss or astray. Remember we said we just read Psalm 25 and verse 10. All the paths. Say all the paths. All the paths. Say it again. All the paths. All the paths. Okay. All the paths of the Lord are mercy, love, truth, and faithfulness. You know, that, that's the Old Testament divine guidance of, of uh, the checklist. All the paths of God are mercy, love, and, and truth. And so if you're asking... God, is this you? 
Those two scriptures will absolutely keep you safe and secure in the knowledge that the spirit that you're following is really of the Lord. When God speaks to us, it always, and I want to stress, always lines up with the word of God. Amen? Amen. But the truth is, if we really want God to speak to us, we need to wait on Him. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. God promises that if you call, He will answer. So if there's a hunger in your heart to hear the things of God, He says, you call, I'll answer. God will speak to us. Okay? And it's really important that we understand it. Because God has promised to answer us. Psalm 89 and verse 34. Fee could quote it this morning, but I, I, I won't answer. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. So when God says, you call, I will speak, you can bank the house on it. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. He's watching over His word, waiting to perform. You can trust the word of the Lord. So, if God says, you call, I will answer. He will speak to you. I love the fact that God Himself says, that, that Jesus said, the Scriptures cannot be broken. Remember Jesus said that? The Scripture. So therefore, if you call, God will answer. But if you're not hearing, there must be a reason. And we're going to look at one of those reasons in, in a little while. But you know, I love 1 Kings 8, 8, 56. It says, there has not failed one word of all His good promise that He spoke through the hand of Moses, his servant. Not one word of God has ever failed. It's awesome. Because if you want to hear God, God says, you call and I will answer. He will speak to you. Not one word has ever fallen to the ground unfulfilled. God said, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. I love that scripture. God has so much more in store for us, folks. He wants to show us great and mighty things, great and wonderful things. And if we will take the time to wait on God, He will do these incredible things. So, clearly God wants to speak to us and show us these great and mighty things. The question is, how much do you want to hear? How long will you wait on the Lord to hear? You know, how busy are you? Some of us are just too busy to hear from the Lord. You know, we're just too busy. And, uh, you know, to, uh, we kind of say to God something like this, Lord, you know, uh, spare me the details, just point me in the right direction so that I can go. You know, we miss so much of God because we are too busy to wait on the Lord, to hear that still small voice for God to reveal great and mighty things unto us. We take the shortcut, we take the shortest possible time to hear God and then we run. And then we wonder why our lives are superficial. You know, you cannot hear God properly if you are really in a hurry. You know, many years ago, I, I was living in England and we, we, we flew to, to Switzerland on our way to Africa. And we flew over France. And at 30,000 feet, I looked out the window and I said, hey, Fee, look, there's France. And uh, we, we, certainly saw, we certainly saw France. Um, but we saw absolutely no detail from 30,000 feet. You know, if we'd taken an express train, uh, we'd have seen a lot more detail. If I'd taken a slow car journey through France, I would have seen even more detail. But how many know that the most detail I would have ever seen is if I walked the length and breadth of France? It takes the longest time, but you receive the greatest revelation. And that's true with us. You know, it's not a case of God just pointing in the right direction. We're missing God. We're missing all that He wants to do, those great and mighty things that He wants to show us. In effect, we're saying, God, sorry, I haven't got time today. Uh, you know, keep that great and mighty thing for another day. I'll come back. It's by, it says we should know God, and you get to know Him only when you kind of spend know time. Him. Not yep. in five minutes. Amen. Oh, it's the spending of time with the Lord. We miss so much if we are in a hurry, especially when it comes to hearing of God. I want to bring this to a close this morning and, and talk about one of the greatest obstacles to hearing the, the voice of God. And that is, uh, and, and, and 
I apologize. You're not going to like it, but it's too bad. <laughs> God says one of the obstacles to hearing Him is sin. It's sin. You see, God wants to speak, but many times we don't hear because we've let sin into our lives. You know, Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says this, a very powerful scripture, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. It's sin that destroys the relationship. If we allow sin, God wants to speak, but the minute we let sin into our life, doom, God doesn't even listen to us anymore. We need to come to that place where we repent immediately and so that we can open the, the door again. You see, sin and disobedience desensitize us to the voice of God. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you. Praise God. God has promised to speak to us. And so if we are not hearing, sin is probably the cause. Listen to John chapter 9 and verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshipper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Hallelujah. There's hope of restoration if we will do the, the, the will of God, if we will worship the Lord. There is a promise of restoration. That is the most wonderful uh, thing that I know because I need God to, to restore me constantly because I'm not perfect. I'm just like you, walking on the road, making mistakes, repenting and getting up and walking again. So, there's a hope of restoration when we sin. And that's the good news. But we need to repent. We need to forsake our sins. Really turn away from them. You know, the, I, how many know that, that God will deliver us from our enemies, but not from our friends? And sometimes we love our sin like a friend. You know? We need to be careful that because when, when, when our sin becomes our friend, God doesn't deliver us. So it becomes really important that we, we repent and we turn, forsaking our sin, leaving it alone, completely walking away. Make restitution. You don't hear that much about in the gospel these days. Making restitution is about making right. If you're repenting and you, you had a fight with somebody, that means you've got to go in your repentance and say, hey, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Something I, I, I practice a lot. She is very gracious. She always forgives me. <laughs> Amazing woman. Amazing woman. You know? But, but we have to forsake ourselves. We've got to turn away from it completely. You know, to turn away from our transgression. To make restitution. If, you, if you've taken something, restitution says, if you've stolen something, you need to go and give it back and say, look, I'm sorry. I did this. Please forgive me. I'm returning it to you. And if you would like me to pay for it because I started, I will do that too. That's what restitution means. And so we've got to forsake our sins. We've got to turn away from it. And we're going to make restitution. And if we do that, that is repentance. Because the bottom line of repentance is this. It's change. And you haven't really repented until you have changed. Oh, it's got very quiet in the Anglican church. Pastor, that's like the apples, eh? Like the apples? When, when, when you were a little boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> the peaches. Oh, peaches. There was peaches. <laughs> yeah. But you know, Isaiah says this, Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord, and He will have mercy upon him, and unto our God, for He will abundantly pardon. I love that abundance pardon. Man, if you start and you start like God, I'm I'm really messed up. You know, I, I I'll give you a testimony that what it's not part of my notes, but I'm just I I love to play the Word of God at night when I sleep. And uh, I, I woke up uh, during this week, and I was listed. They, they had been listing all the sins, you know, uh, in, in 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 Leviticus, and I, I was I woke up with this heaviness in, in my spirit, you know. I thought, man, uh, you know, they talk, talked about lying and, and and all the list of sins, and I I felt so convicted, and just waking up and becoming conscious, I I was really down. I thought, oh, what? And then God dropped the, the scripture I've been meditating on in Acts 13, 39. It says, and by him, all who believe can be justified from all things, from all things, that you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's why we have a superior covenant in the new covenant. Because under the law, there were certain things you couldn't be justified. But in Jesus Christ, all things are justified in him. 
I loved it. And you know, the, the joy just filled my heart. You know, I was so overwhelmed by God's grace because I knew I'd sinned. But I also knew that God had forgiven me of all sin. And the joy that I felt when, when I began to think about that was so good because God had, had done just that. I'd forsaken my sin. I lost scripture and I close. This is a beautiful, beautiful scripture. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. It says this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know that word uh, refreshing is, is the, the, the Greek word anapsuxis. And anapsuxis actually means to, uh, to restore, to revive. And it comes from the, from the, the root word anapsukoi. And it, it literally means to revive or revival. And so what, what, that, what the, the original language is saying is if you will repent, God will bring revival to you. Anapsuxis. It will bring revival to you because you have been restored into God's presence. And there's nothing like coming back into God's presence. It's like life from the death. You are revived. Hallelujah. I think that that is the most amazing thing, that God wants to bring revival into our, into our hearts and refreshing. So repentance brings about the restoration of our relationship with God that results in revival and refreshing. Isn't that wonderful news? Mm, yes. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news. And so when we are restored and we have been revived by God, how many of you think that if we're back in a right relationship with God again, that we will hear God speak to us? And so when we sin, the best thing we can do is forsake it, confess it, and, and change, and get, get to this place where God can revive us again. So let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you said if we call upon you that you will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we don't know of. Lord, you've got things in store for us that no, no eye has heard, uh, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, neither the things that, uh, that you prepared for us. Uh, Lord, it's amazing. And, and Lord, we just, you've got so much laid up for us. And I just pray that as we that we would take time, that we would make, uh, Lord, a, a point of acting upon this message. It's so easy to hear a, a, a message and go out the door and forget what you've said because we're not committed to fulfilling it. And so, Lord, my prayer for each and every one of us, myself included, would be that, that Father, we would take the time to wait patiently before the Lord, to hear that still, small voice, that, Lord, we would by purpose, carve out a section of the day to hear you. Lord, that's the commitment I want to make. I hope and pray that, Lord, my brothers and sisters want to make that same kind of commitment to, to getting back to hearing you. Because, Lord, there is nothing like hearing the now word of God, that rhema, that anointed word. Lord, I just pray that you would bless us in Jesus' wonderful name. Lord, as we make this commitment, Lord, let it not be superficial. Lord, help us to write it down. Help us to do what needs to set, up, set an alarm on our phones to get up earlier in the day so that we can have that quality time with you. Lord, your word says those that hear the word and don't do it become are deceiving themselves. We need to be doers of the word and not being deceived. So Lord, help us to, to put this word into practice, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Bless each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.